And then Django, do you have anything in that stack that you wanted to make sure got in there that I didn't have with me? That was just Cyberpunk and Dryfoot. And yeah. uh, no. Oh. Did you guys read uh, The Further Adventures of Indiana Jones number four? No. Pretty sure I did back in like 1984. <laughs> 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 and you know, I've, I've had Cyberpunk Dryfoot, but there's a good powder you can use. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Roman. What an intro. And 94, I think. Where every Tuesday, we get a whole bunch of comics from UPS. And then we bring them back to our comic shop. And we sort them and count them and organize them and roll around them and and love them. And then we file them away for everybody. And then we go back home and read all of those comics. And then we come back bright and early the next day to engage in a Wednesday where all of our subscribers come to the store. And we get to sell all of the comics and talk to and see Uh, all of these wonderful people who are a part of our store. Yeah. Jeff. Yes. They don't come in anymore. We go to them and oh. we run away before they answer the door. Are you sure I got bullied into doing a door delivery this week? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you're doing the intro for number uh, 97. Oh my God. This is a hundred episodes later. Yeah, 94, 97. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is, okay. this is the one. This is like after the pandemic and the like. Okay. It's pretty similar. Okay. I forgot about the whole pandemic thing. Um, so that's crazy. Well, um, redo all of that. It doesn't really happen on Tuesdays. We do it on, you know, different Whatever days. Day. Different companies give us different books. Sometimes they're coming from FedEx now. What? Yeah. Uh, Wednesday? We, I don't know Wednesday. I don't know. Wednesday? Where day? What? I don't know. Uh, I usually deliver on a Wednesday. Delivered on a Thursday this week. Uh, <laughs> and nothing makes sense. Nothing matters. And... Uh, then we come back to here to engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the comics that we read that week, the comic shop that we're not in, or the comings and goings of our lives, which orbit around each other, but never closer than six feet. I'm Jeff. I'm Django. I'm Roman. You say Fuck you don't yeah. like. You say you don't like chance. That was a chant and a half. I like thinking on my toes. Oh, <laughs> oh, chance. Hey, Django. I was just trying he to get. I was just trying to get on board with you today so i looked up a sl- some lists of facts here oh did you know that when an astronaut burps in outer space there's a <laughs> high chance that some food particles will come out in what some call a wet burp yuck oh. <laughs> did you know that babies need to be burped when they're young because they swallow a lot of air and can't expel it because of their inability to sit upright interesting yeah. right <clears throat> that's why you got to hold them up and pat them um the word fart comes from the old english word Fjorten, which means to break wind. Research okay. has found no significant difference between the amount that a younger and older people fart. Likewise, there is no notable difference between the sexes. Huh. The average person produces 0.6 to 1.8 liters of intestinal gas each day. Woohoo! How, how many days does it take to get to the moon and back? Three days to get to the moon and back okay. if you're propelled by fart. In some cultures, <laughs> a burp after a meal is considered to be a compliment to a chef. That's where I'm from. Mm. 
The loudest burp ever recorded was 109.9 decibels and was achieved by Paul Hun in Bognor Regis, United Kingdom, on August 23rd, 2009. I bet you could give him a run for his money. That's <laughs> wow. louder than the roll of a motorcycle chainsaw. Oh, give yuck. Him a, give him a hun, a hun for his money. Um, did you know that the official medical term for burping is eructation? Ooh. That's cool. I thought so also. Um, did you know that soaking beans in water overnight can reduce their tendency to trigger fart? (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. Did you get this from some sketchy Russian site? (laughs) No, no. I found several different websites with several different lists, but I just really liked (laughs) to refer to farting as can reduce your tendency to make fart. Um, uh, there's a lot of other ones, but it's a dumb bit that I wanted to do to, uh, you know, just sort of try and be in this. I just want to like, it's you know want to make sure our circadian rhythms are. I feel I feel a lot more in tune with you all of a sudden. I'm I much feel more, more in tune with you. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, I was I was really nervous coming onto this podcast. Uh, I've never done a podcast before, and I'm glad that your uh, ability to set people at ease yeah. extends to me with burps yep. and farts. Yep. Well, I just want to also say you're doing a great job for a first podcast. Well, thank you. Thanks. I've, so, I've practiced in my bathtub. Can I tell you something? Django of bathtub more yeah tell me today we're going to be discussing comic books on our comic book podcast episode 194 and those comics are going to be in this order or sort of this order ice cream man presents quarantine comic special number one ultraman the rise of ultraman number one (laughs) that could have been me it could have been Django. who knows right we're both fart boys we're both gas babies right now (laughs) Then we're going to talk about Dark Knight's death metal, the Trinity Crisis, number one. Then Roman's going to get a shot up with that liquid enthusiasm he has for Empire and juice it all over. Then we're going to talk about Stargazer, number one. Then we're going to talk about Marauders, number 12. Then we're going to talk about Superman 25, introducing Sinmar. 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 You know, I run. Oh, sorry. I didn't know you weren't done. So you were doing great at your first podcast until you chose to walk all <laughs> over me. All right, yeah. my toes, you keep the fuck out of my way when I'm I'll, podcasting. I'll stand where I want. <laughs> On my toes. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, Web of Venom Wraith, number one. I think that would be really funny to, you're doing really great on your first podcast and then just shame them. Like actually <laughs> pretend to be angry. Like you were doing it and, to, and then just sort of create this horrible psychedelic trip where for the, this person is trapped in a terrible abusive podcast for the next like 40 minutes you know, Man, there's those... probably a podcast in the in the somewhere like the eric andre show that could be that same experiment how like between two ferns but yeah mean. yeah mean and just yeah. see how people react to being trapped in a podcast for 20 or 30 minutes ice cream man presents quarantine comics special number one w maxwell prince martin morasso chris o'halloran and a slew of other comic book creators what fun we talked about the first couple of these months ago at the beginning of the quarantine when they were coming out but does somebody hey roman why don't you, hey roman why don't you tell us about this book and how it exists and how it was coming out and what it is sure um this is something the creators of ice cream man put together apparently during the quarantine and it was online i have no idea how this exists i don't know what the backstory i know i just was excited <laughs> to be like hey roman you be the guy that gives us this. they actually they actually shipped this out you know me and django me and django and jeff have a story in here actually yeah, we did. We do. Um, 
Yeah, so they were releasing four or five page mini comics throughout the pandemic when they uh, shut down, when they just oh, shut, world. when they just shut down the comic production line. And so they were just releasing these digitally. And then they said that they weren't going to release this in a paperback. Is that correct, Django? Um, I know that they're not going to do a second printing of this quarantine comic special, but okay. I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up in a paperback at some point. Okay. Although they don't seem germane to whatever story is happening in like whatever overarching story is happening in the Ice Cream Man series. I did love that they say they're collected here for you now in a floppy comic because floppy comic books are the best, which is sort of a response to like, yeah, we know we were making these digitally when they came out. Don't be angry at us. And we're not angry because like they, they got to make a living too. And they clearly give a shit about comic stores. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's cool. And then, then there's probably four at the end that are creative teams that are not the original ice cream man creative team do you want to just go at these one at a time and forgive us for talking uh, again about the ones that we already talked about months yeah. ago no one remembers though they've all got quarantine amnesia yeah well the first one is like uh sort of a juxtaposition of a modern writer and shakespeare and i don't know that i love that one as a as an opening salvo from these guys i didn't either i thought it was of the ones like when i downloaded them originally it was the weakest but now i'm curious like roman as a uh fan of shakespeare um i did think the adorable ice cream man pop figure in there is pretty good yeah yeah Yeah, that's pretty awesome mug oh he's got a bud hickey rock all the time poster from the uh from the buddy holly story um but roman did (laughs) did you like that one because i it felt a little bit just confusing for me when i read it I liked it well enough. You know, I was trying to, <clears throat> I haven't read King Lear since like college, so early 90s. So I was trying to remember the story of Lear to see if maybe somehow it was reflected in this modern writer's story, if there was stuff about isolation in Lear, which I think there probably is. But uh, it was all right. I didn't know quite at the end if that was a reference to Lear because it actually shows uh, the king, probably King Lear, sitting on his throne wondering, you know, who can tell me who I am? And I'm, I suspect that has something to do with isolation and solitude, but I don't remember the actual Shakespeare story. Well, okay. I think that what it was was comparing Shakespeare writing in a time of pestilence and pandemic to the modern guy doing the same thing, but with more distractions. Pretty fine. Pretty fine for an ice yeah. cream man. One <laughs> thing I do want to mention as we're going through this is that I, I think the, the most recent issue of Ice Cream Man that came out, I... I wasn't negative about it because I think it's super, super high caliber, but I was just like, these are getting pretty dirgy, like pretty, mm-hmm. pretty bummer. And I was liking the world building going on a little bit more than just the sort of like nihilistic hanging on the ennui. And I really liked these because they were like four or five pages at a time. And it just like, it never had the quite the gravity of an ice cream man issue where you spend pages and then you just get down to this the rock bottom of a bog and you just like hope you can pry yourself out of it by the end this one didn't really you know allow me to get to those depths at any time and i think it's probably by nature of the fact that they were just shorter so i really liked dipping into it in this regard how did you feel about you know as we're moving through these just the several page nature of these I like the longer ones better, but I also like to wallow more than you do. Mm. Um, and Which is I ironic because I think I wallow a lot more than you. Yeah, I guess I, I probably have more control over when I do it. And mm. like I, I choose to wallow and I want a good one when I do it. <laughs> and and these, are, these are good. They're just, they're very short, like five, five pages each, I think. And um, 
I don't, I don't think that there's a super bad one in, in the whole bunch. There's a couple that I really didn't like nearly as much, but I, I thought that this second one with the Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden naming things was pretty fun. Um, where he's looking at, at the little bug in his hand. He's like sandwich. No calliope. No. Oh, of course I shall call you daddy long legs. <laughs> um, and I, I like that. I like that gag that it's not an original joke at all. Just having Adam naming things poorly just right out of the gate, but it always cracks me up. I just love the inclusion of the ice cream man is like, you know, the temptress of, of Satan, right? Yeah. Like I do like when we are building this timeless eternal mythos of the ice cream man. And this one also uh, has some panels that come into play a couple of stories after this as well that I thought was pretty cool. The, the God hand out the both of you banished and cursed forevermore. Mm -hmm. Another character goes past God's hand at some point. Yeah. And I really like the fact that um, ice cream man as the serpent gives Eve, not the apple, but an ice cream cone. Mm -hmm. And that's what brings her knowledge. <laughs> and then she puts her clothes on. Yeah. <laughs> and he calls, he, he tries to name his dick, oscilloscope, snickerdoodle, Mr. Johnson. <laughs> my Johnson. <laughs> There's a lobster on my Johnson. That's a classic <laughs> Tuesday morning Romanism right there. I really like the one with all the mics. That was um, one of my two favorites, yeah. the next one. And I think that the artist does really well with this kind of thing. Cause all of his characters look pretty similar most of the time. And I think basically he just had to put the clutch in and, and not try not to draw the same person over and over. Um, and so we see all these different, different phases of this dude named Mike. And, uh, you know, Mike contains multitudes like all of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that one was a, a little bit more like positive psychology, just this idea mm -hmm. of like life is long and people are really weird. They fuck up, they learn, they fuck up again. And that's okay, really. Yeah. You know, just like learning to forgive yourself through your mistakes is... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Who let them write a positive story? <laughs> I think it's really interesting just like what... Thinking about what is going on in the brains of these creators, like these ice yeah. cream men guys. Like what? what is this series to them, right? And yeah. Uh, the story two from now um, really makes me sort of question what the role of this in their own personal life is but i didn't yeah, like the mics one i liked a lot but the the pinky ring one i didn't like it i do i do wish they had put the credits for each story on the story because some of them I'm, i mean is the pinky one is that al ewing it reads like al no. ewing so no that's all... the crazy thing that's that's what i thought too i was like man who who did they let write this one but all these first ones are the main creators and then about halfway oh, right. through, there's a yeah. big yellow page and it has the credits for the following ones divided up. The Al Ewing one is like the Animal Crossing one. Oh. So, yeah, pink, Pinky Ring bugged me just because it was, like I could see what they were going for and I don't think that it was executed super well. Like it's supposed to look like an old school comic strip. And um, I, I just I just nitpicked it to death and didn't didn't enjoy it. I did like the departure from like his normal art style in it. Mm -hmm. It's clearly Martin or it's clearly uh, Martin Morazzo, but it's a, just a really different flat looking style. And I, I liked that, but yeah, I wasn't super, super into it. It seemed a little like easy for an ice cream man story. Yeah. Yeah. But this next one was Oof. my other favorite one. Yeah. And I, it is just a couple 
sitting at a dinner table and the entire thing is from the first person perspective of the male and he's speaking to the woman but you don't hear anything that he says you only hear his her responses to him and she kind of reiterates what he's saying so you get some idea of the conversation but it's become clear that it's a dude who has stopped taking his meds and she wants to get divorced with him because she's met somebody else his visual perception and what he's even hearing starts to just be clearly he's having delusions um Mm -hmm. and and seeing and hearing things that aren't happening and it's just like really frightening in a real world way and seems very um aware on the writer's part like like they've experienced or have someone close to them who has experienced this it made me think of she could fly which has a lot of these sorts of delusions you know like the, the woman is always imagining the horrible thing that she might do um, and yeah and there's uh i really like when he hallucinates that um the woman has a a steer skull head and it's like this demonic voice which you know harkens in some way to that uh western motif going on with the world building with the cowboy and the ice cream man. oh mm-hmm. nice i was just sort of thinking of like you know, like Baphomet and goat heads or steer heads or, yeah, you know, devilish yeah. skulls. But yeah, that's another good yeah, read on I think, it. I think all that too. Yeah, really, really frightening. The idea of just like, you don't really ever know exactly how somebody else is hearing what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, I, and the other stories were fun, but that was a story. I was like, okay, this is what I want at Ice Cream Man. I want weirdness and horror and I want to feel a little awful after I read it yeah yeah and that was the right amount like that is a good relationship for me and the awfulness that ice cream man presents like (laughs) this one it was like it was a dip you know like it got real heavy for a minute there and then we got out we didn't have to spend i didn't have to feel really bad for a day and a half after reading it (laughs) so when i was first reading it i didn't know that the next one wasn't an immediate follow-up to the guy leaving that conversation oh yeah i had to stare because they do put those little skeletons on the corner at the end of a page but yeah yeah i missed that so i thought that this one where the guy gets in a taxi and asks the the driver to take him to the end of the universe and that the cabbie is clearly the ice cream man Um, and they go past god's hand and they get to like this real psychedelic area and they get to just a street sign that says the end in the middle of space and then they turn around and go back yeah, what do you think about that? What do you think, Roman? What, what's your read on what that means? What are they saying there? I don't, I don't know exactly. It made me think about, okay, you go all the way to the end, you, you, find, you see the end, and what else are you going to do? But come back, because, you know, that's it. Might as well come back. Yeah. I'm curious what the, uh, the ice cream man, whatever the heck he is, I like the fact that when they get there, he's just become a talking skeleton. Mm-hmm yeah so, yeah he so, changes throughout the trip does he change earlier yeah he's wearing a cabbie outfit when he when we first see him and oh yeah and it changes to his space, ice yeah in, yeah his ice cream outfit uniform yeah it made yeah, me just, think it made me think of space cabbie the old dc character mm. oh classic i don't know about space yeah. cabbie classic thing roman might say yeah know. but he's never gone to the end of the universe boys i didn't read all of the uh all of the non-Ice Cream Man people issues. Oh, I, some of them were good. I only read the Al Ewing one. So tell me uh, about what the other ones happened. I just didn't necessarily, I was like, I don't know if I really care about other people's take on this particular brand of nihilism in a four or five page in, increment. 
These ones weren't all the same kind of nihilism that you expect from Ice Cream Man. I, I don't really love the idea that these were released as Ice Cream Man. I mean, right. it's, it's the only way I would have read them. But right. the first one is Declan Shalvey with Chris O'Halloran. And um, it's just this dude running from somebody who's chasing him with a knife. And he gets to a point where these trees reach down and grab the guy with the knife and kill him. And he's like, oh, sweet, I've been saved. And then the trees grab him and kill him. And it's like, this is... This, these these things aren't good or bad. They're just going to kill whatever comes in the woods. Yeah, I, I I was feeling like my love of Ice Cream Man is that it all comes filtered through this weird story basis that I don't fully understand yet. And mm-hmm. I don't know how other writers could really have the same ethereal worldview that is motivating these Ice Cream Man stories without knowing everything. So it felt like it would be just sort of like short horror stories, which is fine. But, yeah. um, and I don't know if that's correct or not, but. Yeah, I, I, that's kind of what I had to do is just just think of these as stories inspired by. It's like, it's not the soundtrack to the movie. It's the songs inspired by the movie. How is the next one? I'm seeing some interesting art in it. It is awesome. Yeah, it's the all, next one's great. I think, I think that was my favorite of the, nice. the alternates. It's all this girl with a marker who's drawing on the window as her parents are fighting in the background. And so she, her escape is to draw sharks and, and giant snakes eating the cars in the street and UFOs beaming people up and just all this cool stuff. But then there's a car wreck and she like, she watches the, the aftermath of the car wreck. I, I thought it was really, really well done and interesting storytelling and paneling. Hmm. Really interesting use of just like comic booking and what a panel is and just having a fixed view out of a window that like, yeah. you know, she's continuing to draw from is a really interesting just usage of comic book perspective. Is that next one, the Al Ewing, Jeff? Yeah. I didn't get it. It's Animal Crossing. It's just like, because Animal Crossing was such a cultural touchstone during pandemic. Like, okay. more people played Animal Crossing than, like, there's just insane Switch sales and Animal Crossing sales. And for a while, like, in the, like, a it came out, like, a couple weeks after the pandemic started. And a lot of people have been waiting years for it. So, this one felt a little bit more motivated by just sort of like, hey, we're in quarantine and everyone is talking about Animal Crossing right now. So, I'm just going to, like, this one was only three pages and it, it shows the like, dark side of like the wicker man side of animal crossing. Yeah, it's just like there are these animals trying to get you to far, farm and harvest all these things and you gather them and then what if they're, you know, using it to create a wicker man scenario where they're going to burn you alive and I think it's it's more just a nod to the time with which these were coming out than being a real yeah. sophisticated story. The last one's a lot like a Twilight Zone episode that I um <clears throat> I watched a little while ago. I I thought it was pretty good. Uh it's just this dude who's really into building a train set. And his whole life kind of passes by him as he builds a train set. And when he dies, he ends up in the train set, but his kids don't respect it. And they, they pack it up and put it in storage. And now he lives in a place with cockroaches roaming the streets because they're huge compared to the O-scale trains that he's got. Dude, that's terrifying. That's that, cool. Yeah, that was, that was my third favorite story. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was really good. I would like to be clothed in purple. While I give I my score of eight point five to this comic, yeah, yeah, I'd go, I'd go eight point five, eight eight point five. Um, some were better than others, but all of it was really, really good. And I think it's a really cool, just time piece, you know, for a moment in time that mm-hmm. seems like it's lasts an eternity. So who knows if they'll want a memento at any point? But what about you, Belshazzar? You give it an eight. Give it an eight. 
Eight Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, but now we're really getting into the good stuff. Ultraman, The Rise of Ultraman by Kyle Higgins and another writer. Then I'll find that name, but they hide credits in the back of stories now, and I don't really. Is it Matt Groom? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. I remembered that. Nice. Yeah, Kyle Higgins and Matt Groom, art by Francesco Mana, color artist Espen Grudichon. So this, thank you for the support there. Um, Oh, sorry. I thought that was a thing podcast do. What? This one podcast that I listen to, even though I've never been on a podcast before, Uh uh they laugh uh at each other all the time. Oh, not here, bud. Not here. This is a safe space and no one laughs at one another. Okay. So we're supportive. Yeah. Am I saying that right? Like, like clean underpants. <laughs> okay. Okay. Rise of Ultraman. I've never watched Ultraman, but it is a television show from Japan. It's one of the older ones, you know, older than like Super Sentai Warriors, which is what Mighty Morphin Power Rangers used the footage from and then interspersed like American kids in it. Um, it's, it's, the show was a lot like that. Lots of uh, a guy in a suit running around a miniature scale city to make it look like he's a giant he was fight he would fight kaijus which were just other big people in suits like a real poor version of godzilla so i was reading this thinking roman likes godzilla roman is an ultra man himself you know what what were we going to get into here having not known anything about it david gabriel of marvel comics was very excited that this book was going to be coming out yeah and what was david gabriel he's the 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 Marvel guy that they send out to talk to all the reps, like to all the comic stores. Oh, okay. We got a lot of character development in this book. We did a get a lot, lot of character development in this book. But not of Ultraman. Well, I think Ultraman is the boy that we spent a lot of time getting character work from. Oh. See, I think he becomes Ultraman. Yeah, he gets bonded to Ultraman. Ultraman's an alien, an alien robot guy. Okay, Roman. Do you know a little <laughs> bit about Ultraman? Not a lot. I just know they use it's the typical Japanese trope of the little boy gets bonded with the hero, whatever the hero is, and then they're a team and they fight evil. Wow. So it's like Shazam? Kind of, except that's the American version. Okay. But 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 he can walk around as a dude and then he can say Ultraman Shazam and he turns into Ultraman kind of. Did you ever see that movie yeah, The Giver? Giver. No. no, that's based Did on the anime. Yeah, probably it was. It was a cool sci-fi movie that came out when I was a kid. Probably late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Oh, wow. No, I, yeah, I know it's a I think Mark Hamill was in it. And a manga. Hmm. Um, well, oh, Mark Hamill. This, was a, this reminded me a lot of that. But yeah, it's, it follows a lady cop who works for a secret organization. And she's dodging, hanging out with her friend who kind of then ambushes her on a job and gets her to hang out with him and they're old friends and it seems like they both applied for this job together and he didn't get it and there's been some awkwardness but they're like you know we're gonna get over that we're gonna be buddies and then the police chief calls them and they're like come we've got some crazy aliens monster stuff and they go check out a, a big old celestial egg that got landed on the planet and then it seems like it's gonna have turned our male guy into ultraman they're- did you like it roman I liked it well enough. Yeah. You know, like Django said, it did a lot of character development, but without a whole lot of uh, info dump text and everything, it moved along pretty well. Um, Mm -hmm. Apparently this woman works for this agency that is a secret agency that is tasked with tackling alien and monster threats around the earth. Um, I like the fact that Ultraman comes to earth in 
you could say a meteorite, except it's perfectly spherical. So I think it's some kind of Wavo. ship, ship oh. maybe. And in the beginning, it comes down in 1966 and kills, apparently kills this, this pilot that was a big hero of this organization. But then they find the, uh, find this ship, molten ball, whatever it is in the woods. It's a meteor ball. Meteor ball. It's a meteor huevo. Big old, big old hot slushy. Um, and then, and then Ultraman, we don't know what he's called that, but he steps out of it. I, I like I, the backup more than I like the main story. I didn't read the backup. Oh, the Ultra Q backup is awesome. It's that Kyle Higgins great. and Matt Groom with uh, Michael Cho. Yeah. And it's just like crime noir set in the, set in the sewers of Paris or something. And I and, love that art. Yeah, yeah it's, the, got a, it's got a little kaiju that he drew it so it looks exactly like one of those stupid rubber suit monster suits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I thought I thought that that was more entertaining to me than the than the main story. But I thought the main story was fine too. That this just hit all of my kind of um, like Darwin Cook scratch yeah, the Darwin yeah. Cook itch for me. Michael Cho's art is like he's mostly just doing covers. It seems like so when you get actual work from him, it, it's gorgeous. Yeah, is Ultraman in the Marvel universe, Roman? Not usually, but I'm I'm curious about that if he is now since it's a Marvel comic. Um, he never has been before. I mean, they just put Fortnite in the Marvel canon. So, uh, did they? Maybe they're gonna, yeah. Jango, I mean, if I could never hear you say the word Fortnite, that would be awesome. Uh, I miss. Sorry, I, I mispronounced the word fart. It's Fortnite. <laughs> oh, we did get the is, comic series Fortnite. <laughs> is so is is this is, are these things happening now because Marvel got the rights to these things, or is it because of their parent company already owned? I think Marvel got Ultraman back, right? I would believe it. Or like, you know, Disney somehow related to Disney oh. or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I think that it is worth, you know, mentioning, like we talked about how much character work there was done, but it was, it is really well done character work, like getting to know these characters and it scratches a sort of, it scratches an itch that exists for me that I don't think it probably exists for Django as much, but it's got that kind of like, early 2000s tv sitcom feel to it a little bit like mm -hmm. uh like friends or something just the the jobs and the way that they interact and like the the adults and their their problems are interesting and the way that they interact with you know like sex in the city like you got we got four pages of friends at dinner talking to one another and i'm like yeah this doesn't feel difficult at all i don't know that i care enough to read more if you like power rangers or if you like kaiju stories or, or ultraman or ultraman yeah, ultraman i mean there's a live action ultraman show yep. on netflix so it's having a resurgence then this is this is a comic for you and i think that it's good even outside of of that if you just like young adults talking to one another i would give it i would give the main story probably a six i'd give that back up probably a seven and a half so i'm gonna i'm gonna average it down to a six and a half i'm gonna give it a seven i liked it I think it was well done. I don't know how much I, if I'll for sure get another one, but I, I think that it's definitely a high caliber book for somebody who has this specific interest. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it the main story a, a seven and the, the backup story an eight. Dang it, man. I just skipped on my back matter this week and I'm, I feel bad, boys. Mm, yeah, that, that, one, that one especially, I think you would have enjoyed. Mm. Uh, Jeff? Yeah, Chango. Roman? Do you yeah. guys read Dark Knight's Metal, Dark Knight's oh. Death Metal, Trinity Crisis, number one of one one-shot? 
Yeah, but sometimes I just sort of had to stare at the page and let all those words wash over me. It's a lot of words. It was another one of those books where, like, I finished it and I went back and looked through it and I was like, 80% of these pages are just people standing and talking. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's just standing and then a huge amount of info dumped on you. And the info is interesting. It's just presented in kind of an uninteresting way. Like the, the, their method for getting into the place with um, Swamp Thing was cool. All the banter between Harley Quinn and uh, Jonah Hex, which I never thought I would see standing next to each other, much less enjoy them talking to each other. I enjoyed that quite a bit. I liked all the Jaro jokes. Yeah, do you um, like Jaro being such a huge fan of Starro? I don't, I, I haven't tracked anything about Jaro. This, this is like my first exposure to him. Hmm. Um, I just like the idea of how terrifying Starro was and how powerful Jaro is, but little and kind of goofy. He, he reminds me of Barry. Oh, <laughs> oh. I, yeah, this, this issue did like, oh, hmm. That did a lot of the stuff that the death metal series has done that is like a weird combination of interesting and compelling and then kind of boring at times. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I don't really care about parallel reality Harley Quinn with a buzz cut talking to like parallel reality Jonah Hex. Yeah. And they've done so, like, you know, I do keep being like, oh, that's a cool Batman. Like, it is. Like, this one is his mom. Like, that's emotionally impactful. Right. But at some point, you're also kind of like, but there's like 30 of these. Like, at some point, we need to do something more interesting with just come up with what if there was a Batman in a different world that was like this. But, yeah. you know, the, it still scratches an issue being like, whoa, that is a cool idea. But they haven't really, I think the whole kind of trappings for it and the premise for it is, is just kind of, it makes me feel like, mm-hmm. like, slow down, Scott Snyder. We are letting him really define and alter the whole mechanics for the way the entire DC multiverse exists. And he's yeah. just getting to do it in, in huge strokes and reclassifying. Yeah. And I don't think that's bad, but it, it makes me feel like you guys either got to live with this then or immediately undo it because it really moves around that, which we consider and and the other thing I forgot, but in Death Metal or sorry, in Dark Knight's Metal One, like the bad guy was Barbados, and now he's in this one, and I really really hope that that's not Scott Snyder having changed around like the Barbados character from the Grant Morrison Batman run. I you got know? the idea that that Barbados wasn't like in in Metal. I don't think Barbados is the small version of like. Barbados that Grant Morrison used. I got I got the idea that Barbados and Grant Morrison's run is more of um, more of like a god to the earth rather than this master force that Scott is trying to make everything be. Yeah, I hope so. It's just it, unfortunate to use the exact same name for it and present it as a kind of similar thing because it really does <clears throat> say like, yeah, that thing that was in the Morrison run is actually this and it's all feeding yeah. in these forgers of worlds and you know perpetua and it's like these stories are cool but it's it's so big that it does demand changing your perception of all of the dc multiverse within it and just a it's a little it's a little big and i i say scott can we tone it back just a tiny bit but i'm glad he's having fun with it 
like one one of my beefs with this is that this is just a spin-off. It's got a cover that doesn't look nearly as compelling as the other death metal books. The guts are drawn by uh, Manipal rather than Capullo. And there's some very important things that happen in here. If you don't I, read this, you're fucked. Yeah, I can't imagine that. Yeah, I don't. It's, it, it is integral to the plot. I don't know why it's yeah. not a part of the plot outside of the fact that I think the story was just like, oh, fuck, we've only got eight issues and we need to explain this whole thing. I don't know. Just make write it all in prose. Yeah. You have to squeeze all these goddamn drawings in. And it is fun to like go back and revisit these three crises. Um, Batman has to go visit the uh, crisis on infinite earths, but like Mm -hmm. something different has happened and the anti-monitor is different. Superman has to go back to final crisis. And uh, there's a really cool shot an alternate take on the end of final crisis. And then wonder woman has to go back to infinite crisis and all of them have ended differently and the bad guys win. So not yeah. an insane thing. And then the big twist is at the end, she's like, I'm super, yeah, Superboy Prime shows up and he's wearing his like Superboy Prime anti-monitor outfit. And I guess that's a really big deal, but I haven't read Infinite Crisis since I was like way before working at the comic shop. And I, mm-hmm. I don't really remember a lot of those beats or why that's super important. Um, I only have one other thing to say about this. Yeah. And it's that in the Flash comic this week, the Flash gets pulled away to deal with the death metal thing. Okay. Which means that this is this book that we're reading that is just completely balls to the wall nonsense, like fun, like in in a fun way. But this is not a DC universe that I can fit into the rebirth, rebirth universe. This is actually happening. Right, and it said that at the very beginning, like, this is this reality. This is Yeah, or what the fuck happened to Superman's hair? Yeah, or any of When is this happening? Exactly, that's the thing. It's it's not within. And, and, you know, all of that sounds like a complaint, and I don't mean it to be. It's it's a complaint if if it needs to be part of the main canon. Mm -hmm. And I think that this book would be fine. The whole Death Knight Metal thing would be a fun romp if it was allowed to just be toss the Black Label logo on it like you're doing with other good books that should be in main continuity. Like that Hellblazer book, there's no reason that that's not the main Hellblazer book, right? Like it it could be. Um, So it's, it's, it's just bizarre that it, for this to exist the way that they're saying that it exists, it demands that it takes precedence over most people's perception of what they view the DC universe to be. Mm-hmm. And that's not wrong to do, but it, it seems a little like, you know, if I don't think everyone's going to like this model for the DC universe and yeah. it, they're putting a lot of eggs in the basket. What do you give it Django? Oh, you know, the art was good. The story the art was, the art was good. I love Francis Manipal. Yeah. The story pulled me through despite being 90% word. And uh, I think, I think I can give it a seven and a half. If you're reading Death Metal, I hope you got this one. Yeah, I would give it a 7.5 as well. Um, I do think the art is gorgeous. And, you know, it it's the kind of thing that if you're digging it, it's an awesome addition to the whole thing. Yeah. It's it's just, it is more of what Death Metal is. And, and it, Death Metal is not bad. But I mean, it, where else are you going to see Mr. Miracle with spiky epaulets? That's Nowhere true. else. That's where. Spiky epaulets. I want to talk to Roman about Empire. You told us about the end of Empire. You've been the huge Empire fan among us. Like you got the, you got the sort of like Avengers Fantastic Four logo thing tattooed on the calf, um, which seemed yep. really 
bold on my perception of you to have just gotten a tattoo for a Marvel event. Um, but It'll you do become dance older, lot. obscure. That's true. And you'd love dance lot and you love Al Ewing. Yeah. So, and you love the fantastic four and you love the Avengers and you love the Kotati and you're nothing if not Quan himself. Um, Koi. Koi. Sorry. <laughs> um, and I do love those writers. I have a tattoo of Dan on one cheek and a tattoo of, 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 of Al on the other one. And, and when I, when I flex, they fight. Oh, wow. It's like a man fold in that makes me barf. His butthole <laughs> yeah. is an eternal crisis. Um, but I said, but. Get it? <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Uh, oh, man. We're, we're falling down on the job. Um, <laughs> Rookie mistake. Um, but uh, seriously, though, folks, there were two one shots that came out this week. There was in a Fantastic Four aftermath and Avengers aftermath. They actually, one had aftermath and one was Fallout. Um, and you read both of those because you're so juiced on Kotati juice. Um, what happened in these? How are they wrapping this up? I just, I just got the fact, oh, it's Avengers Empire Aftermath, AA, Fantastic Four, Fallout. <laughs> you know, I, I, I guess the Empire Aftermath Avengers issue, which the cover is um, Hulkling and Wiccan um, looking at each other. There's some kind of ceremony going to happen. Like it's kind of... A, you think a marriage issue, except uh oh, except that they are—they already got married. That's what like, I thought. Yeah, yeah, I think you said that before. That yeah, I don't know if it was Young Avengers or what, but so this was—it's a rededication ceremony. Renew your vows, um, which basically they do to for some ceremonial reason with the um, the alliance, which is the Kree scroll. Do we know alliance. for sure that one of them is not a scroll, so this rededication ceremony doesn't count in the long run? Hmm. No, because that already happened in Empire where one of them was a scroll imitating Teddy. But they found that out and took care of him. I think Wiccan took, found it out and took care of him. That's not my husband. Hey, so, Django, I see that you've got whiskey in a glass. It looks like you're about to think that there's skin shavings in it, but never mind. No. Clean ice this time. Thanks, Good. Thanks for Roman, checking. you just said so. Uh, so I, this one shot, I think it's just to set up something that's going to happen with some cosmic teams and what used to be uh, uh, the sword, okay. I think. The ones that were or- orbiting, Captain Marvel used to run them and everything. And Oh, it's pronounced sword. The sword. Well, the leader of the sword, the, the woman with the green hair, she gets all mad at Captain Marvel and they have a falling out and something evil is going to happen with her. So I give this one like a, a three. It's I mean, like a cliffhanger. Whoa, Roman just gave a thing a three. It was, yeah. just, it was just so, I got to the end, I was like, oh. Why is it, did this book exist? I think it's a prologue. It's kind of my some... feeling about Empire. It's kind of like somebody <laughs> punched him in the badger loaf and he's mad, so he's just oh. giving it a yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, I felt like this was the, the worst issue of Empire. Wow. Okay, well, then how'd the, fa- the Fallout, the Fantastic Four Fallout book go? <laughs> um, it was better. It was better. I mean, there's, you know. Better than a three? Be- yeah, still oh, yes. my heart. <laughs> it's, yeah, it was a four. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> no, four. Um, it, 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 it was better, you know, the dialogue was better. There were some funny bits with, you know, Thor and Spider-Man. But the main thing was at the very end, um, oh, two main things. Uh, the, the kid scroll and the kid Kree, they're supposed to be like ultimate weapons of both beings that ended up with the fantastic four for a while well they're like officially unofficially 
given to Alicia and Ben to be to, for them to raise them. Oh, so that, that's kind of a fun tie-in considering where Fantastic Four had been a year ago. Yeah, fun yeah. Fantastic Four Fallout. Yeah, so now, so now Ben, now the thing has a family. That's cool because he was racing to like you know not be a you know he gets his like day a year. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. and about a year ago, the story was that he was trying to be with Alicia and that was when the Hulk started fighting him on an Island. Yeah. And like, yeah. they didn't get to procreate. Um, how, and... how old are the kids? Um, or how old do they present? I guess. I think, I think, yeah. I, I mean, think... they could be a thousand years old. If they're yeah. Aliens, right? Yeah, exactly. I think the girl's like 200 years old, but she looks like she's 12 maybe. Okay. And the, the boy's probably 10. So no poop, no poop, but like. When kids are two or three, they learn so fast. They're a lot of fun. If that was a mm. thing, I'd, I'd feel a little bit cheated. Mm. <laughs> Can you also get me a two or three-year-old? Why? <laughs> Why do you give uh, those books, Rome, Romeo? Well, 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 wait, let me get... Oh. And the big, the big thing at the end of this, the big thing, by the way, folks, spoilers. Um, the big thing at the end of this is... Um, the thing. The former Nick Fury, the unseen, who now hangs out on the moon and does the watcher's job. Um he watches all the ships take off and everything and he's doing his little monologue and all of a sudden he he doubles back in pain and screams and there's something coming out of his his eye because at the end of that one miniseries years back, yeah the watcher gets killed nick fury ends up becoming his replacement and has the watcher's eye grafted into his head well here he falls over and the watcher you ought to the watcher comes back reforms out of out of nick's eye it's watcher's eye and now the watcher's back, but the unseen is also here. Um, and Nick's like, "What the hell?" And Yuatu says, "There shall be a reckoning." Hmm. The beginning of the end. Oh, <laughs> can you show who, me that panel right now on our and camera? Who wrote that? I can. How's that? Wow. Is it Al Ewing? Um, this was actually Dan Slott. Okay, because he's been doing it. Yeah. So. Are they getting ready to fire Sam Jackson from the movies and bring some old white dude in instead? Interesting God, question. I, I would hope not. I would hope if they brought Nick Fury Sr. back, I would hope they would keep Junior around and just have the two of them going around being spy action movies. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I... I thought that, you know, hiring Samuel L. Jackson to be Nick Fury and Iron Man back in 2008, like, was just like, oh, that's a cool idea. I like, I like Samuel L. Jackson. And then I think, I thought that, like, trying to put him in the comics was not necessarily the wisest choice, but I thought that if they were going to do it, sort of putting Nick Fury on the moon as this unseen watcher, and then, you know, putting Samuel L. Jackson in as Nick Fury was a really eloquent way to deal with that. And yeah. it hasn't been very long. And oh, they're undoing yes. it. <laughs> yeah. And who knows? Maybe they'll have the Unseen and the Watcher, like, teaming up for, like, I don't know, Voyeur comics. And it's just the two of them watching stuff. I don't know. <laughs> Roman's dream gig. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, Roman. Did you give him scores? Oh, I didn't give the FF one. I'll give... Oh, yeah, See, this I'll... is why I forget to ask people. Like, this is why people don't get their scores. Is I, 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 I yeah, can't remember. Yeah. Oh. I'll give it a six for that ending. Okay. And the Avengers one, you gave a three. Yeah. Um, Roman, I can only see part of your shirt. It looks like it says something, taste what's gotten into you. <laughs> um, 
I won this from your girlfriend at one of the trivias she used to do at the Star Club, I think. Sam okay. hasn't done trivia in a long time. Um, what does it say? Oh. Taste? What's gotten into? Yeah, it's it's a it's a um. What's what's the liqueur? What's the liqueur from the nineties with the stag on the Jägermeister? Jägermeister. It's a Jägermeister shirt. Okay. <laughs> Roman's wearing a Jägermeister shirt. I used to love Jägermeister. When I was in college, oh man. He loved it so much he forgot what it was called because he drank so much <laughs> so of I it. I drank so much of it. You keep it in the freezer and get it nice and super cold. And then it's like syrupy. Off yep. syrup magic. Yep. No, I mean, I like licorice, so I'm on board. I, I haven't had it in a really long time. but I don't even know um, if they still make it. They oh, must. they do. We should get some Jägermeister for our clamming trip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's that? Is that 250 or is that 200? Are we doing that in a couple of weeks? <laughs> yes you're doing a climbing trip our clamming trip oh clamming trip yeah let's go our clamming trip what the <laughs> hell? Let's, accent. Go, let's go climbing too what the hell um, i'm in for clam climbing for clam we're hiking with jay in a couple weeks Django, you're invited oh nice yeah so does that involve walking yep oh. <laughs> i know i'm All so right. not re- i'm so not ready for it this is gonna yeah. be embarrassing it's pretty exciting hey how's everyone's lungs feeling from the smoky air fine i didn't go outside today at all my lungs are okay with it but like my eyes weep i wake up with with more eye boogers than usual and just kind of my my eyes leak a lot when this is going on i had a frightening amount of chest pain about from it today oh geez yeah i mean we sat outside for three hours yesterday um and i didn't wear my mask well because we were all very far apart but mm-hmm. I was, you know, Roman was keeping his on at times because of the smoke it looked like. And uh, yeah, I kept on I doing it because I, well, when I was driving out there, because it was worse in Bellingham than it was out at Jay's place. Mm-hmm. And like driving there, I, I was feeling it in the car with my yeah, windows rolled up. And, yep. and so that's why I was wearing it a lot. Yeah, it's a good call to have, have had the mask on because, yeah, my lungs, uh, I was, I was just, I was like coughing and having chest pain today about it so i'm hoping it's going to get better i love the way it looks but i want it to be done i think yeah it looks like roman's favorite part of the year fall all, all foggy and mm. oh i thought you meant like crisis on infinite earth <laughs> well yeah I, I would give anything to have those red skies that portland was getting i know I, that's <laughs> so fucking awesome as long as it didn't suck like hurt my chest to be out there yeah like give me some blade runner 2049 sky yeah Speaking of the sky and the stars and the red sun, Stargazer, number one. Stargazer. This one's written by Anthony Cleveland with art by Antonio Fuso. That's uh, interesting. I should look up that artist because that's a name I, re- I recognize. And it, it looks a lot like, uh, looks a lot like Jock's art, very sort of chunky yep. and shadowy and angular. Yep. Um, it's uh, from Mad Cave Studios, which I don't think I've read a ton of Mad Cave books, but I feel like... I have positive feelings towards them when I do. Battle Cats. Uh-huh. I didn't read Battle Cats, believe it Yeah, or not. you missed out. Uh, Antonio <laughs> Fuso did the art in the book Word, or uh, Weird, with Kurt Pyers, if you remember that. Okay, I remember that. Yeah. I like that one. Some G.I. Joe stuff. Quite a bit of G.I. Joe stuff, actually, it looks like. Judge hmm. Dredd stuff. Um, Girl Who Kicked the Hornet's Nest. Okay. So that, that business there. A Drive comic. Some more G.I. Joe. So I think probably it weird is where I recognize him. Oh, maybe survival fetish and clan killers. That's survival fetish is what I recognize him from. Yeah. The name anyway. I didn't, I didn't really recognize the art and I, I think it's interesting. Well, so, so the story is like, we, we start with this 
scientist going to the middle of the desert and finding a like a whale that's been beached in the sand in the desert right oh man i really forgot about that first couple of page sequence as i read the book yeah it's in the sahara desert in 1999 and she sees this whale and then it jumps over to burksville colorado in 1999 so i don't know where they're going with that whale but the rest of the story is just kind of a stranger things gang of kids hanging out and one of the little, one of the kids little brother tries to reach up and grab these things in the sky like these these magenta orbs that he sees and he falls off a water tower and he's messed up and then we jump to present day and uh he's kind of he was rattled when he when he fell off the water tower and has all these conspiracy theories about the sky and and is really into kind of fringe podcasts and his sister's trying to get him into a home and just sort of having a hard time dealing with her you know difficult brother who lives in, in another trailer and um he ends up getting abducted at the end of it maybe by the orbs this reminded me a lot of the movie butterfly effect which has been on my mind a lot and oh. Django was like maybe i should watch that and i was like no but now the fact that i'm bringing it up again Django, maybe you should watch the butterfly effect i i've been waiting for a day that i have a the time to watch it with both eyes and b the emotional fortitude i just want to see how you i want to i want your will you just tell me how bleak it was so i don't feel like i am just incredibly weak i just need i need <laughs> J i just need the counterpoint of how Django will view this movie i just want him like it's like some burly ass ice cream man shit um and this this book reminded me a bit of that because it's got these like sort of flashbacks this really traumatizing child event that happened and then we could bring back to the present and how they're living with the fallout of this horrible traumatic childhood event. And mm -hmm. one of the, the parts that was really disturbing to me was we get back to the present and we kind of meet this girl who's grown up, the, the sister. But then there's just kind of, without even addressing the time jump, a two-page flashback where it shows the kids after this initial sort of run-in with these orbs or aliens. And the brother, like she's saying, like, like Django said, is just like out of it and saying weird stuff. He's got glasses on, his legs broken, his arms broken, he's in a wheelchair. And the mom of the sister and brother has the kids over and the, and the friends and she's just like, I got some pizza, like there's ranch on the table, help yourself to it. I don't want anyone to feel like they're in trouble, but just like, you know, I know the police, you told the police thing, but there was like LSD, like what happened out there and they're like we told you what happened and then she just like starts to like lose it and she's just like i just have to know what's going on with my baby boy and he's saying these things and he comes in out of the room and he's like i told you mommy the sky people took us and it's just like that that type of thing is a huge like disturbing trigger for me of just like parents losing it out of fear for their child and this hopelessness that they're like their child has been broken or something yeah. um like just like very emotionally evocative, evocative writing. And then I think that the similar to Rise of Ultraman while being entirely different in every <laughs> regard, but just like, I think the character work was really well done. I think that we really got to know this main character um, very well without getting like an insulting info dump on the person. And it, like Django said, this is a Mad Cave comic, super low print run. Um, I not. I mean, I kind of anticipated Django having not, or Roman not having not picked it up because he wasn't in the room when Django and I were both like, this looks cool. Um, and we only had like three of them. So it would probably be kind of hard to track down. I think we do have like three copies for the stand, but just like a more 
interesting kind of like version of Stranger Things. Yeah, and I got some Cthulhu or some Lovecraft vibes. Um, like the Nicolas Cage movie Color Out of Space is based on a, I think, a Lovecraft story, and it involves a color that comes out of space, and and it's a color nobody's ever seen before, and it messes with things. And this, I think that that's what that bright magenta orb thing in the sky was sort of uh, trying to hearken to. Um, I thought it was good. What, what did you think of the art, though? Because it, like it, it kind of vacillated for me. I thought some panels were awesome, and some of the acting was really good, and some of it was like, you forgot to finish this drawing. I, hmm, I didn't mind it at all, and I enjoyed it an amount. I enjoyed it as much as I enjoy like a jock comic, and right. I think the reason that I don't have any issues with it no pun intended, <laughs> is that is that it's a, an art style so unto itself that I don't feel like it's coming short of anything because it's being exactly what it is, if that makes right. sense. So like last week when I was pointing out things, it was like I could feel like it was coming short of meeting what it was trying to do or something. And that's me right. projecting things. But this, I feel, I'm, I have more experience with Jacques art because it's in more stuff, but I feel like it's really similar to me. Yeah, maybe this is like a less advanced version of it, like a less road tested art style. Mm-hmm. But you know, there are times where I am like, this doesn't look that good, but it's jock, and so you're just but it's like, fine. yeah, it is. So yeah. it was kind of like that for me. I, I think that it was exactly what it was, so it didn't bother me. It, it melt. It, it it felt more like I needed to come to its space to read it rather than have an expectation for it. And and I, I'm I'm kind of excited to see where this artist goes. Yeah. Yeah, I am like, too. I, I, I liked it for, I always prefer a thing that feels unique rather mm-hmm. than a thing that feels like at all trying to be something else. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought it was a little bit uneven, but on the whole, um, like I, I could see it going to the Bill Sienkiewicz side of Jock or yeah. to the, the, the Steve Lieber side of Jock. And I'd be okay with either one as long as it went whole hog. Yeah, actually, Whole I, I, badger really, loaf. I really agree with that. And and I would say like the 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 Sienkiewicz side of Jock or like the, you know, who it reminds me of an, is like Maria Lovett, that girl who did Heartbeat and has done the art in Faithless. Mm-hmm. And like these these panels here, like really yeah. of the woman, you know, showering stuff like and but that's in that line with of Steve Lieber, like more character and, and human drawn than like a, a Bill Sienkiewicz would have so yeah, yeah I really liked it I, I just really liked the main protagonist I thought she was a real badass I would I would give it an eight yeah me too yeah me too kind of kind of surprising that this was one of my favorite books of the week yeah it was compelling like yeah. it it wasn't like overly dirgy but like the, the emotional beats that happened and the concern that it evoked within me you know propelled me through it and why is that whale in the sahara desert i'm so glad that you brought that up because i totally forgot about it now i'm just like why is that whale in the sahara desert have you guys been watching the boys season two i started it i'm one episode in there's a whale scene you're gonna love that show is really good it's so good it's so gross i loved the first season and then enough time went by that it's been out for a week or so now and sam and i were like do we want to start this? I don't know. It doesn't feel right right now. Like I just, I had forgotten the charm of it. Mm-hmm. And, and then I watched the first episode. I was like, Oh, this show is well done. It reminds me of if you took the, the lesser parts of the preacher show 
which happened for the first couple of seasons and just cast them out and just boil it down to the awesome bits. Roman, have you watched any of it? No, I don't, I don't have the platform for that one. It's Amazon prime. Yeah. It's we'll very get, we'll good. Get you. We'll yeah. Get we'll you. get you. We'll get you a link. Um, I want to talk about Marauders number 12 by Gary, Jerry Duggan and Mateo Lolly. Old Gary, Jer, old Gary, Jer, Jer Bear. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his name, so I'm just going to do that from now on. G Doug, G Dougie. Um, this follows up on uh, Kate Pride got resurrected in issue 11, and she hadn't been able to be on the island, and they couldn't resurrect her, and they brought her back. Roman, you had said before recording that you fell off the series about four issues ago. That makes a lot of sense to me because there was a weird dip. I think like issues like seven, eight, and nine just weren't very good or weren't very interesting. Yeah. yeah, I was digging it up until yeah, somewhere around then. And then I was just I realized halfway through an issue, it's like, man, I don't care. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what the purpose of the book is outside of being a vehicle to tell a story about Kate Pride and Emma Frost and Sebastian Shaw, but in terms of like how it mechanically fits into the Kirkoan world and why it was a book that needed to come out at the beginning, I think the main thing is that it creates a mechanism for recruiting and bringing kids to Krakoa who wouldn't have been able to. And as she's been resurrected here, there's a whole bunch of like, she's like trying to get her memory back. And there's a whole fleet of these kids who are people that she saved and brought to Krakoa and they're all kind of cheering for her. And that was a cool scene. So she's been resurrected on the Island. Yeah. Do we know why she couldn't get through the barrier? Yeah. There was a thing about, how she was in like they you know grow them in these eggs you know and they're aged and then they break through and they have to like Mm -hmm. break through but kate pride's whole mutant thing is that she goes through things we talked about on the podcast and you drew a comparison about how weird would it be if you would had the power to you were maybe this will remind you of it you were talking about how if you didn't ever have to walk through doors what that would do for your like psychology of how you relate to people um so she just kind of phased through the egg and they needed to make that realization so that she could like phase out of this egg as opposed to breaking through it the big confusing thing and maybe somebody else can tell me is her hair is just hugely voluminous and frizzy and are we just to believe that she had been straightening her hair this whole time tropics man I guess it's humid, so it's like super frizzy. It's a drastically different hairstyle for Kate Pride than, you know, had had been. Wow. Right? Drastically different everything. Yeah, it is. Huh. Um, the art style also, I, I think Lolly had come on not too long ago, but it, it's, it's similar to the David Baldion art, who's the artist in X Factor, who Leah mm-hmm. Williams is writing that book. Huge fan of Leah Williams. Leah Williams Frankly, it's just about the work. Um, but X Factor, I actually really dislike the art in that one it's like i was showing django it. it that artist had done the domino's hotshot series liked the art a lot more in that one yeah don't love it as much in x factors that's my barrier there this is a little close to that but it's not quite as anime humberto ramos but this mostly just centers around krakoa kind of celebrating for a whole issue that kate is back and everyone loves her and she's just a big part of the the x crew and you know always has been so it's cool that they kind of take a whole issue to do that but it also has her learning that Sebastian Shaw killed her. So she goes to like, there's a great scene of him, you know, pretending to celebrate with her. And she gives him this very like Godfather-esque kiss, uh, kiss of death when he's going to kill Fredo. Um, cause, cause she got backed up before she got killed. Right. And then Emma so Frost, she has a missing chunk. She has a missing chunk, but Lockheed, the dragon was on the boat at the time and it fell off and it found Emma Frost and Emma Frost took, lockheed's memories 
Okay. And then she shared those memories with Kate. So now Kate knows all of them. So she is up to speed now. So she goes to get more tattoos on her fingers and the super hot lady tattoo artist gives them to her. And um, I, I don't know if it's the same tattoo artist she had gone to before or not. I don't really remember that scene, but she bends over and kisses the tattoo artist and like has a relationship starting with her. And I think that that's totally badass um, but they had also said that like claremont had been kind of seeding or alluding to that for a long time in his writing and i just don't know a ton a ton about older kate and if if that seems to be a thing in her story it's interesting because older kitty is kate but older kate is kitty yeah that's clever what you just did i like that uh and then she has gotten kill shaw tattooed on her fingers and she's got like knuckle tattoos and it's pretty fucking badass do did, did her tattoo come over when she was resurrected Oh, good question. What was her tattoo? She'd gotten stuff on her knuckles, right? Did she? So she's renewing her tattoos. Right. And I bet that's what it is. I bet that they backed up from the... Yeah, because she hadn't been able... Her whole body... Like, she hadn't been backed up on Krakoa ever because she had never been there. So, yeah, she, any tattoo she had gotten... And I do think that she had... I forget what she had gotten on her tattoos because there's a cover that, like, this cover is referencing that has her knuckle tattoos. Yeah. So she got new knuckle tattoos... So then does, if Pyro was able to get backed up before, he's still I would think it's just his, on here. but has he died? I thought that he did. Okay. I thought that they, he died like earlier on in the series and There's they've so got many resurrection mechanics I have questions about. I like uh, it. Those Dakin's tattoos when he gets Ooh, good question. He's, had those, he's had those tattoos for a long time. So I bet all of his yeah. backups have those tattoos. Hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I like this book. There's a lot. It's just, it's very... It's just very orgy-y. Like, it's very, just this island is into boning, and they're just into everybody miss kissing each other and making out and being naked and exposed bodies. And that's been in a whole bunch of the series, like, you know, even as back as the House of X and Powers of Ten stuff. And it's just, it's very 1969 Summer of Love. 69, dude. Nice. It's disgusting. Oh, um i give it it's so it's back at a spot where i really like it i don't understand necessarily the the direction of why it's one of the x-men books coming out but it's doing character work right now it's Mm -hmm. it's providing an umbrella to shine a light on several characters that i like a lot and it's making me like them more and if that's the justification for the book fine um and i would give this issue an 8.5 um pride's a badass what if she could just make the top two layers or top three layers of her skin intangible so that they could tattoo her deeper mm. were you guys gonna talk about superman 25 <laughs> <laughs> with sinmar introducing sinmar i didn't read it but get me up to speed on sinmar well so this issue superman gets sinmar tattooed on 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 his face <laughs> but like the subcutaneous levels he gets the top ones off yeah yeah um yeah, so I think Bendis's run on Superman is nearing its end. Yeah. Um, Superman's going to grow a mullet real quick and then jump over to Dark Knight's Metal. Oh. Um, but the uh, this one introduces a planet that is like kind of a utopian planet, um, and they are so far away from Earth that we don't know about them. Like it seems like that, that we've never heard of them in the DC universe, but they've been watching the DC universe and they watched Krypton explode. And they were kind of dismayed at that. And they watched Superman's ship get sent down to Earth. And they put two and two together and realized that a Kryptonian under a yellow sun would be super powerful. And they're like, well, that 
baby could grow up to be a threat. So we need to keep an eye on him and breed or train a deterrent. And so they've got this warrior that they've spent years setting up to become a fantastic warrior to battle Superman if Superman ever comes after them. And it kind of delves into politics where, you know, they, they started this program under, you know, with, with pretty good faith, right, Roman? Like they're, they're just like, yeah, we'll, we'll build this just in case. And some of the slightly more warmongery people on this planet are leaning towards going and taking care of the Superman problem proactively. Yeah. And there's, there's like a ruling council or something. There's a lot of arguing going on, but they are, they do seem to be a pretty uh, proactive, aggressive race. They do show them at least one of them fighting with a bunch of Thanagarians at some point. So mm-hmm. they've gotten involved with the regular DCU um, before, at least Thanagarians. Um, probably just in the background panels that we didn't see yeah yeah um and, and the name of the race is sinmar which at first i thought was the name of the guy on the cover but i'm he, sure that he'll turn into sinmar yeah sinmar like if if we were to just call superman krypton instead of smallville um i, th- I thought it was pretty good it that, that's the issue that also has superman being interviewed by lana lang right yeah yeah since you know I haven't read this for probably three or four months, but he revealed himself to the world and now his old friend Lana is interviewing him because, you know, they're both journalists. So they, mm-hmm. they can probably skip over a lot of the preliminaries. Yeah. Um, and now, and that was my favorite part of the issue actually, is just the dialogue between the two of them. Yeah. That felt real. Yeah. Yeah. And also reminiscing because they're both, she used to be, have some superpowers and she was called Superwoman, And so they've mm-hmm. got that connection too. And, and that was pretty interesting. I was surprised that I was able to track and at least medium enjoy the Sinmar bullshit politics on another planet with people who have super long arms. Yeah, I I wasn't that into that, but they look cool. I mean, their design is really mm-hmm. cool. They're weird kind of energy or face tattoos and, and apparently yeah. higher cast maybe. Members mm-hmm. of Sinmar have four eyes instead of the other ones that have two eyes. Oh, nice. I didn't identify that. Yeah. Yeah. Just some nice, interesting little details there. Yeah. Generally, space politics and uh, magenta skin and long, long, long arms are, are kind of put Django to sleep aspects <laughs> of a story. But it engaged me the whole time. It, it was a 200 times the normal size of the comic, it felt like. <laughs> but I liked it. Uh, what do you give it, Roman? Roman, what do you give uh, it? I, uh, I'll give it, I would give it a solid seven and a half. Yeah, I think I would too. It's, and it's it's curious, like, it sounds like Bendis is wrapping up. It sounds like Mark Wade is maybe going to dip his toe in the DC universe again. Um, which is yeah. super, super exciting. I don't know if he's going to touch Superman, although that's the one he really would love to write. But yeah. Um, yeah. it's crazy, the idea of Mark Wade writing for DC Comics again. Because he, he had beef with Dan Didio. We don't know exactly what happened, but some very bad shit happened with him in DC. And it sounds like because Dan Didio and um, Bob Harris are both gone that now, like that's why he's willing to come back. Yeah. <clears throat> we, we haven't learned the full details of it or if he's even like coming back or just using an old story he wrote or something. But uh, it's super exciting to me because I, I can't think of somebody who like loves Superman, you know, that much except for Grant Morrison. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And his, 
his old Superman Birthright miniseries. I don't know if that was part of the beef with Didio and that kind of thing, because I know Mark Wade felt kind of slighted about that because they used so much of it in the movie in the yeah in one of the movies and then but then they ignored it all in the comics and you know at the huh. time when he was writing it it was he was asked to do like the definitive origin of superman and he did that and then dc ignored it yeah right. um but he's a fantastic writer and i really like his dc <clears throat> stuff kingdom come for example mm-hmm. uh, i made yeah. me like oh shit mark wade's going back to dc i gotta read kingdom come again um <clears throat> It's weird that Bendis' Superman stuff, Action Comics and Superman, like, for a year was some of my favorite stuff. And mm-hmm. it just kind of fell off a cliff for me around, like, the Leviathan stuff. And then when it got wrapped into, like, Action Comics being tied into Leviathan when the John Romita Jr. came on. It was, it was weird. And then, like, yeah. And then just when it got sort of tied in with the Mongol Space Council democracy stuff, like cool ideas but that like when it was taking place on earth and it was like lois and there was like the cool firefighter lady and the red mm-hmm. mist and um that was awesome and then at some point it just kind of fell off a cliff and i i'm super excited to see what he does next i wonder if he will go back to marvel um or i hope he stays at dc for me it's the like the the ridiculously large story being told with not a whole lot of organization so like if you're reading Superman, oh, now you have to read Legion of Superheroes and also this crazy network of Leviathan things that is half one shots and half stories and, you know, bridged by these, these mini series. Um, that's, and, and, and even more than that, the John Romita art. Like right. I just quit reading action comics because I couldn't, I couldn't, it was offensive to my eyes. And it's just, yeah. it's weird that this seems like so kind of out of what, you know, not related to the story he was telling. And I'm very surprised that it's not like this Rogel Czar stuff hasn't come back to make sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the fact that that would have, like, I just don't believe that that was just a new villain to introduce <laughs> and change his origin a little bit. Like, it was just like, that's a, and then it would have just dropped it. Bizarre. Yeah. 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 What happened to Rogel Czar? He just kind of went Cause... away. Because, yeah, I also, like, Django dropped off because of the Romita art on action and, and, and because of a Leviathan. I'm still um, reading Legion. Well, nice. so can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. First of all, Jeff, do we have any emails? We have uh, a clarification email. I was going to talk briefly about Web of Venom Wraith. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, I no, you're totally right. good. Um, and then we have a clarification email from uh, Andrew. And I just want to briefly mention that this has um, – my favorite colorist, Dean White, did the coloring on this. And the art is really unusual. Django, I actually think that you would like the art in this quite a bit. It is, yeah, I just think you should check it out. It's got okay. kind of a Hots look to it, but not, but it's it's sketchy and, and it's got a colorist that I really like. But it's a, it's an interesting art style, um, kind of chunky at times and then detailed at other times, shadowy, um, spooky. But it's just continues with Donny Cates, like, just changing the the whole sort of venom origin and what symbiotes are and we meet this wraith character who is a Cree who got his dad was like trying to find a cure for the symbiotes which have a different name and um it was in a certain part of reality and 
his dad died and the symbiote got binded with him. And then he goes and finds the planet of the symbiotes and he talks to Noel and he's like, where are you even from? And he's like, Oh yeah, I used to throw like my garbage out over there. Like my failed experiment. So it sounds like maybe the symbiote that he got was like a failed Noel symbiote experiment. It's just really bizarre. Like Donnie Cates is just going for it at full speed in a direction that the symbiotes have never gone at all. And he's just not wavering at all. And that is interesting to watch. I'm, I'll, I love all of the symbiote stuff that Donny Cates has done. It all seems kind of like a separate thing outside of like, you know, the original like Spider-Man symbiote and Venom stuff. Like that is mm-hmm. all just a very different story. And these are very like anthropomorphic symbiotes. And um, it's a really different take on it. And this character is interesting and he shows up and, it's just more Donny Cates madness, introducing new characters and changing bits of continuity to make things matter that otherwise didn't. And I think for the most part, it's really cool because it comes to, it usually plays out in a way that's pretty cool, but this is a, a, a spoonful of just like, here's new stuff and new ideas surrounding older, older ideas. It reminds me a lot of like Stan and Jack stuff though. It seems hmm. like just like it's written with a sort of mythic poetry to it and it's new concepts related to the marvel universe in a way that stan would just not really think twice about being like yeah this is a new race that would do these things and blah here have it you know because like why not and uh it's just interesting that donny kate seems so much like um stan lee in, in a lot of his writing uh, i don't mean that as a slight at all and i would give this one a 7.5 or an 8 the art is really really cool and the story's pretty good so what do you think of where donny kate's has been and where he is and where he's going because to me his creativity like his just just the mass of creative ideas that he throws into the comic book world right now feels like what scott snyder is doing but i think that donnie's doing it in a more edible way yeah that's i yeah that's a good way of putting it i think that his stuff exists more in a corner and scott snyder's is front and center and taking up the whole stage so i think it's a little bit easier to take large scale continuity changes when it seems like it's happening over there and it doesn't have to affect everything else. Whereas the Scott Snyder stuff is sort of, is, is touching everything. His corner suddenly includes Thor. It's related to Spider-Man. It's been muddled with the guardians of the galaxy and Thanos. And it's been cosmic largely. Like they're releasing an omnibus of Donny Cates cosmic stuff, but the Spider-Man touch is, is, is a weird, you know, the venom stuff touches Spider-Man continuity for sure. But I guess he hasn't really messed with Spider-Man. God, can you imagine if they just said, yeah, sure. You can write Spider-Man too. It would be awesome. But yeah, yeah, it would probably be almost sort of like akin to that J. Michael Straczynski stuff where we've got totems and destiny and and, uh, because he just, he goes for it. Um, But yeah, that's my thought on that. You were going to go into something before I mentioned that. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say, do we have any emails or did they learn their lesson from the last one they sent us? Where we well, Andrew sent us a little bit of a things. clarification. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I only read the first sentence and I thought, okay, let's check this out. Had to is add a tiny in, bit of clarification. Is it in Jeffacles, rhyme? Jeffacles, as we said the whole time, <laughs> is supposed to be pronounced like Pericles, the leader of Greek democracy. So oh, Jeffacles. 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 That's way Which less kind of plays into the fact that I called his library an Athenium. Athens and definitively just a synonym I looked up and the Romunculus in my mind was sort of Morrison infinite book type thing 
as the religious text of the many jangled ones, many angled ones, uh-huh. followers. This is not to say I did not thoroughly enjoy the shit out of each and every one of your tales and your conception of what the romunculus could be in my vague descriptions was amazing. Y'all are nonstop incredible. Keep it up. P.S. More weird butt stuff from Roman. No, it didn't, it didn't say that. I added that. I added that. Um, but Roman, you went buck wild. You know what's kind of crazy is we have a file that's got saved emails from uh, people. And here's one from like May. Here's a... Uh, Check this out. Here, check this out. Here, this one's from. Oh well, no, that's not the one that I should check out. Um, <laughs> that was a bad. That was. A, um, but just questions from. We could revisit old questions from people, right? How have questions changed since May of two thousand nineteen? <laughs> I've got an idea. Oh. And this there's is a just... bag filled with questions from the live show that we lost, and it's so yeah, fucking that's tragic. Sad. Oh. But this is this is something that uh, I guess we I guess we do it pretty often where we solicit questions from people. But it's also an idea that uh, another podcast that we really like does. But we're coming up on an anniversary episode, mm-hmm. number two hundred. Mm-hmm. That could be something spe- something special. It could that could be all call-ins. That could okay. be all questions. That could be um, all elevator pitches. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I don't know i don't know we should we should brainstorm that and, and make a decision for the next episode which yeah we got six weeks to figure out yeah. what we're gonna do yeah 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 um and to talk people yeah. into helping us do it well yeah we need ideas from other people we'll do anything but we need help figuring out what we're gonna do and what do people want what would be a fun idea you I'm know thinking of like this the seinfeld bet video component we could do a live (laughs) we could do a live stream of the podcast you know it could be 200 live through facebook it could be um you know other things we could we could it could be all issues from five years ago you know it could be Mm -hmm. all all we could revisit the first week that the podcast came out and only review books that we didn't talk about in episode one that came out that week uh jeff in your spare time could you take little snips of audio from the last 200 episodes and turn them into a song, a two hour song. Hmm. The only thing that I've done similar to that is the file of Roman's nose, which uh, is again, about 40 audio files long. And it's all. Let's let's just play that for the 200 episode. (laughs) We'll go, we'll go on vacation. Just run that. Jeff's just talking is 43, <laughs> 43 <laughs> different audio files. I have 43 <laughs> moments of Roman's nose. And um, maybe I'll put that in this Please. episode. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll move all of those at the end of this episode. Ah, fuck it. Actually, my Mondays are so busy at this point. David, for 200, together. let's solicit other people uh, making right. Roman's nose noises. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's just, just let's just let Django pick out like obscure series he loves for us to read and talk about. Because I want to do Nathaniel Dusk. Did you not listen to the episode where we did that exact same thing and I read yeah. Nathaniel Dusk and we talked oh. about it? He oh. liked it, Roman. Thanks for I, fucking I, listening. I guess bud. I did. Because <laughs> I still, I, st- I still, I still am missing. It was issues all the- '80s, '90s comics from Django. Oh, oh man, I would love that. It was so Nathaniel Dusk. Dusk. I need to borrow. Lobo? Well, I need Lobo. to borrow Nathaniel Dusk because I don't have all the issues yet. Disaster Inc. Uh, Justice Inc. <laughs> Justice Inc. Oh, wow. And the Shadow Number Fourteen, right? <laughs> Just one issue of the Shadow. I think it was. I think it was Lobo, Justice Inc., Nathaniel Dusk. 
<laughs> it's there. It's in a podcast somewhere. We did it in the pandemic times when comics weren't coming out. Episode 180 oh. or something. Yeah. 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 Check it out, Roman. Um, thanks for listening. Butthole. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> uh, you know what I did this week is I added a couple sections to the website. Oh. Uh, I added a section that has comics that we carry that are related to the Batman and Quarantine podcast. Nice. You can and buy I, single issues, single, single issues, single issues that we have in our back issues section. If you want a copy of Batman six six six, you should order it, and we'll see if we have a second copy because Andrew Carlson bought Andrew already got that the first one. one. Fox, yeah. friend of the show. Um, I also did a similar section for cartoonist kayfabe um, because those guys talk about some wild stuff that we have hanging out in the back issue boxes. And my plan is to do the same thing for this here podcast. So mm. we'll have a page that is just like, here is, here's the stuff that we talked about on episode 194, 195, 196, I love it. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Indeed. Um, well, Hey, that's a great note. Hey, on that note, anyone, if you're listening at this point, if you're an hour and a half into this podcast, you're hanging out on episode 194 and you haven't left a review or a rating on your podcast app or somewhere or posted on Reddit that you like a comic book podcast that comes out every week, do that. It would be a huge help for us. Um, it gets you laid too. One day, one day, <laughs> if we get enough listeners, we're going to be able to do cool advertiser spots. And that will mean that Jeff Django and Roman will have found a way to actually make money off of this thing that takes hours and hours and hours <laughs> a week to do. And that would be super dope. So if you could uh, make a post, find someone, tell your friends about it, send a text. I don't know. Spread the word. That would be cool. Papcast. Also Batman in quarantine, uh, infinity content and whatever thing Django's doing. That's probably related to Indiana Jones. No. Um, but the shadow cast. Ooh, that's kinky. <laughs> I cast a shadow. Um, on that note, I'm Jeff, and I think that we should probably get out of here, you know, see everybody for 195. I'm Django, and uh, woo. I'm Roman. Everyone was Mark looking Holmes. at me stretch. That's what was going on there, wasn't it? Nobody <laughs> could say it was, anything because I was stretching. Yeah, it, was, it was captivating. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>